and welcome to Inverticast. I am Leah from Tarantulia. And with me, I have an amazing special guest. This is Ryan Marshall of Marshall Arachnids. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Hi, Leah. Pleasure. Pleasure. I was just saying it's nice to uh, meet you. And uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. This is fantastic. Absolutely. I am so stoked to have you on the show, for sure. Like, um, I, it, you know, you, you've you been in the hobby for, for, or you've been in business for some time. And so you're, you're actually pretty famous in the uh in the hobby so that's pretty cool and i'm just really stoked to have you on the show yeah <laughs> yeah in one way or another we've been um well i have been um a little vocal about um all things husbandry and welfare when it comes to tarantulas specifically so it's yeah. gotten me in one way or another um a little bit of a platform to kind of yell from so uh, it's been an interesting ride for sure so uh, any opportunity I have to talk to someone about these sorts of things, uh, I, I jump on it. So thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, that's so rad. I love that. Yeah. Well, well, okay. So let's just jump right in. Um, how sure. did Marshall Arachnids get started? So where did you guys start? Uh, how did you get into the hobby the whole night? <laughs> Got it. Yep. So let's see. It started for me. So I started... Um, I guess my entrance into tarantulas. So I think a lot of people know this at this point, but if not, I was a lifelong arachnophobe for the longest time, mm. um, up until a few years ago, really. Um, and I still sort of have a healthy, I don't wanna say fear, but they definitely intimidate me for sure. Um, I'm absolutely fascinated with them, but um, still a little on the fence about interacting with them. Um, but that being said, um, somebody, uh, that I was dating at the time had a Ephibopus murinus. Um, and at, for our whole relationship, I was like, not about this. You know, if that animal can stay <laughs> where it's at, that's fine. Um, but one night, you know, it was just kind of like, come on, you need to get over this. This is unhealthy. And I don't handle my animals, but she put it in my hand and I just, I was captivated. I was terrified, but I, I couldn't help but be like, wow, th th there's a lot going on here. And I was amazed at how gentle it was. Um, so it just kind of sparked from there. And I started Googling all these animals and I came across Postlotheria metallica. Um, and I right away was like, I asked, I was like, is that a real spider? Is that a real animal? She said, yes. And I said, can we get those? And she said, yes, they are in the hobby. However, they are you know, a little bit difficult to breed. Um, they're a little more expensive. Um, animals come in from uh, Europe a lot. Um, rarely are they kept bred in the United States. And so mm -hmm. to me, um, I was an aspiring zookeeper at the time. Um, that was a challenge. So I just said, I'm gonna get those. Um, and she was like, I think, you know, maybe you should slow down a little bit, you know, and kind of learn a little bit. And I didn't listen. I just dove right in. Um, <laughs> and it took a couple of years, um, but I just I learned a few things here and there, um, realized right away that kind of what everyone was saying about these animals as far as husbandry goes and natural history wasn't exactly what I was observing and seeing um, with my spiders. Um, mm. And then uh, they just started reproducing for me. Um, and with that you know, it kind of snowballed, I suppose. I sold those babies and then I got more of that same species and more of that same species um, up until, um, and, and then during all that time, I got a, a zookeeping job. So I was working for various AZA facilities. Um, I worked mm. for, I think, a total of three um, before I ended up coming back home, which was uh, which is in Michigan. Um, but all that time, I was just kind of working with them. And then COVID hit, and I had met Jessica in 2019, which is my partner. 
um, and kind of got her involved. And then we kind of paired off. And then I think we officially decided during COVID, let's make martial arachnids a thing. Let's diversify species from there. Um, awesome. And we just both decided that we didn't want to work for anybody anymore because of the COVID thing kind of complicated so many things. Even oh, yeah. Keepers, you know, and um, <laughs> It, you know, and I, you know, it's no secret. Like I'm, I'm a very opinionated person, and COVID just threw everything, um, you know, through the ringer. And we just said, let's just do our own thing, and let's just roll the dice and see what happens. Like if you're all in, I'm all in. So awesome. Um, here we are. Here we are today. We just built our new facility down in Tennessee just for the spiders. We have a little living space that is kind of up above us here, which is kind of still in progress. Um, oh, that's amazing. We're, we're doing it. So here we are. That is so yep. cool. I'd love to hear that because I also uh, was a pretty staunch, like, arachnophobe as well. So okay, once, yeah. once that fascination hits, though, it, it hits hard. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. And you know what's funny is, uh, and I'm sure you can you can comment on this, too, but if you have friends over or people who are, like, afraid of the animals, if they come over enough and they're around them enough in their enclosures, okay. they start to, that interest sparks in them, too. They see them in a different light, you know, because they're behind yes. glass. They see their behaviors, you know. I, I even got Jessica's mom, who is an arachnophobe, uh, over here missing them. And it's <laughs> I see the gears starting to turn, and she's talking to them now. So, yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, there's it's something about it. If you're around them enough, you're like, well, they're really misunderstood animals. So it's cool to hear. I think that's kind of a common thing around all of us in the hobby, you know. Um, I think so in one too. Way or another. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for a lot sure. Of started that way. Yeah. <laughs> Simon of the Mantis cool. Garden says that we are not alone. I I agree, Simon. Well, yeah, there's a lot of arach, you know, arachnophobes previous arachnophobes who are definitely in the hobby. So I agree with you on yes, that, Ryan. It's, it's um, very cool. It's, it's cool that we have uh, something tangible that can help us get, because I don't know about everyone else, but I took that and I kind of started applying that to other things in life, like mm -hmm. other things that I'm unreasonably afraid of. You know what I mean? And it all comes down to education, right? The more you know, the yes. more you understand, the less you are afraid, you know? So, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I definitely did apply that to a lot of other things in my life. Um, I'm no longer like afraid to stand up for myself at, at times because sometimes I just it's hard for me to be like, no, I don't want this or, you know, uh, mm -hmm. it's hard. It's hard to say no. <laughs> I know, yeah, especially if you're a good person, you know, and you want to be a good person, it's it's difficult to say no sometimes, you know, you feel yeah. guilty. at least I at least I do. Yeah, I, I do, too. I have so much guilt. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm with you there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, how many arachnids or tarantulas like in one in one at one time, how many would you say you have? Typically, so it's funny that you ask that. So I actively tell Jessica to not tell me that number because I don't want to know. <laughs> when I start looking at it that way, um, I get overwhelmed. Um, oh, sure. You know, I would say we have a lot more spiders than most, but not as much as some. Um, okay. And I want to keep it small. You know, I would say at any given time, there's at least 500 animals. Um, but in the spring, we like to go with the flow of nature so during the the winter months we kind of pair animals and cool them down and then we hatch them in the spring so in the spring we could uh -huh. produce over a thousand babies just a thousand wow. babies um so that number goes up quite a bit at any given time really so oh, yeah um i would say 
I'm comfortable with saying at least 500 at any given time. But, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That's me not asking. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, want to yeah. know any more than that. <laughs> yeah. She knows the okay. exact number. She's always like, do you want to know? And I said, nope. nope no. <laughs> You're like, nope. Mm -mm. I'm, Just I'm leave good. that. Leave it. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to be overwhelmed. I get that. Exactly. I totally understand yeah. it. I'm, I'm yeah. personally, I'm at about 76, I believe. That's a and good right number. now I'm kind of, yeah, right. I'm, and um, I'm just kind of like, okay, right now, like I can handle that. Good. And I don't want to, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to add too much yeah. more. To, yeah, it's right. crazy. Cause, cause that's, that's, that can happen pretty quickly. You become overwhelmed with your collection and, you know, yes. you just jump you get, in. You get burned out. You get burned yeah, out. Right. Yeah. And, and I definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> no, I think, yeah, you've got enough to keep you busy. 76 animals, is, yeah. that's enough to keep you a little busy during the week. Oh, so yeah. that's good. For sure. You have to split yeah. them up too. You split them up into the groups and, you know, each day that's the group that you're feeding and watering. And so like, for me, that's, that's, that's the best way. <laughs> it is the best way. Yeah. Period. Unless you have a lot of time on your hands, you know, to sit and do it and not, you know, then not stop until you're done. Yeah. Giving them yeah. up into sections. Yeah. That's the way to go too. Right on. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, Simon had a question for you. He wanted to know, because he has an escaped tarantula, and he's wondering if you know a good way to catch them, because um, sure. they don't know where it is. <laughs> so what's a good way to draw yeah. them out, hopefully get them back in their enclosure? Yeah, interesting. Interesting question. So um, <laughs> we have some adult animals get out sometimes, not because their enclosures are inadequate, but because mm. I don't like to lock things. I do that on purpose. In fact, let me look behind me. No, everything's locked today. Uh, every time I do one of these, <laughs> someone always comments, your enclosures are not locked. And I'm like, I know, I know. <laughs> but sometimes the terrestrial <laughs> species will get out. So the first thing is, A, identify how it got out, number one, because okay. then we can learn from that. Number two, what kind of species, what, what animal, what kind of animal is it, terrestrial or arboreal, that's going to really make a difference usually where you're going to find that animal mm. um, up or down. That kind of speaks for itself, right? Mm -hmm. and number three. Absolutely. Um, more so with the terrestrial species, um, even if this is a spiderling or an adult animal, um, and no one talks about this, but of course I'm going to say it, we provide them a spot of heat. So we take a heat lamp and we shine it either on a wall or um, on the ground and we leave it on 24-7. We don't, it's what? not a high, it's just a little thermal gradient. Uh, especially if you're um, in a northern climate where it's cool or if you're in a basement, that animal is going to come out of, it, go out of its way to get warm, right? Yeah, she left the uh -huh. lid off. Yeah, yep. <laughs> that, that's me. I do that. That'll do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't feel bad. Um, yeah. So that that's usually what I like to do. Um, I start around the enclosure first, obviously, because sometimes I don't go too far. Um, yeah. But that being said, I have found them um, in other rooms before. We don't have that yeah. problem now. We, we took care of that when we built this place. But yes, um, giving them a little source of heat um is usually how we go about doing that and then i look for them at night i actually use a little headlamp and i just go around i always find them at night because they tend to start wandering at night they feel safer that way they just come out um, and again that's spiderling juvenile adult doesn't matter but that's what i would start doing so like i said get a clamp lamp put a little source of heat on it either on the wall or facing toward the ground uh -huh. and let them come usually just let them come to you but that is that's honestly that's genius yeah. on in my opinion because I I had an escapee once um actually a monocentropus palfori that 
got there away from me. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. uh, my mm-hmm. first old world. And so uh, for me, I was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to put this one here. You know, I was trying to rehouse it. And it, they were so fast, like startlingly fast for me at that time. Mm-hmm. And so I just got away. It was loose in my house for like a month. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> And I actually didn't find it. My cat did. So one of my cats was just staring at something for, you know, and I'm going, what is going on? And so I look where she's looking. And sure enough, there's there's my my tarantula. And I was like, oh, get the catch cup. We got to get up. <laughs> yeah, that's a good you point know. too. rely. If you have furry friends, usually furry friends are much better at finding things than you are. So They'll keep an talk- eye on your furry friends. You're right. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, definitely. definitely. So. Yeah, but I like the heat. I like the heat source. I think that's a really great idea because they will seek out that heat. And then searching at night is like probably the best. <laughs> yeah, it is. And you know, you can pick up. Um, well, I guess not really eye shine, but it's just I don't know what it is. Like if all the lights are off and you are focusing on one area with mm-hmm. a bright light on your head, like that's how we do husbandry usually. Mm-hmm. Um, you just you can see things better. It draws your eyes to things, and then you can you can kind of see shadows like in corners. Like if something's gonna hide somewhere, be like, oh, that would be a nice little spot to check. But we we made a joke. We had one just get out recently. It was a Zanestis species. Oh. I think again because I left the enclosure unlocked. Um, <laughs> I'm not afraid to admit I do that. It's I don't trend. advise it's other people do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's a trend no for sure. And, and let me explain the reason I do that is because we keep exoterra enclosures, um, as you can see behind me. And that little uh-huh. latch, when I click it open, it scares everything. Everything gets scared of that. Uh-huh. It's a, you know what I mean? So I don't yeah. like to do that, especially since we let um, moms rear their babies in tanks. Yeah. I don't, I don't like to do that unnecessarily. So I just leave it open. Usually I don't have problems, but sometimes it happens. But we're equipped to deal with that. I don't, I don't advise you guys to do that, but um, that. Anyway, people people are gonna no worry. That actually, that's really cool that you let moms rear young in in the tank because I know that uh, a lot of breeders like will pull egg sacs and then kind of incubate them. Um, So, do you feel that you get healthier spiderlings that way, or? Yeah, in fact, I know I know we do. Yeah, Um, those they I don't know exactly what's going on um, and what that relationship is, but there is Uh something with that happens there where our babies do come out larger every single time than pulled counterparts yeah i don't know what it is it's just there's something going on and you know we like to give the moms in tank those brooding temperatures so if we can just be hands off and let mom do it work it's a pain getting them out i will say that there's a trade-off to this we have to (laughs) it takes time getting babies out of tank and sometimes we end up leaving some with mom for a long time just because we miss them but again the baby it's just not an issue like the babies do really well they come out exceptionally large so yeah that's to me that's the way to go if you're that's incredible that's really really cool i think that's uh i mean it makes sense because that's how it's going to happen in the wild anyway Um, but i think that's actually kind of revolutionary like in it kind of in the breeding world and stuff because i know a lot of breeders will just will pull them out and you know incubate them wait for them to come so i that's I'm interested. I, I think that's it's, rad. Yeah, and I wish I could explain to you what's going on there. Um, I'll, you just have to t- take my word for it. I don't know how. You know what I mean? I wish I wish I understood, but they do. It's like they're almost double the size. Um, I don't know. It's crazy. But and, and all <laughs> I'm doing is I'm doing less. I'm just letting letting it happen. 
you know, yeah. and they're just healthier because of it. So, you know, you're right. It is revolutionary, revolutionary in a sense that it's not the norm, but really I'm just doing less and letting them do it. You know, yeah, I love it. Yeah. I think it's really smart. Uh, Simon says he will swap with you. <laughs> Mantises run up to the walls. So it's funny story uh, um, that is funny. So we, Jessica likes mantises too. She has a lot of ghost mantids, um, Paradoxa, awesome. and I love them too. They're they're amazing. Um, but they just produce nonstop for her. And sometimes, you know, at least this happened one time. We learned real quick, but we set a ooth, um in a cabinet i think we uh -huh. were like okay it's that it hasn't hatched yet it's way beyond so we put it in the drawer and then we came back um i think one, i want to say three days later and it looked like ants all over our ceiling in our house because they had oh, hatched yeah. and they all dispersed all over the ceiling yeah so and they're uh, so tiny i get i get how you could mistake them for ants that's funny <laughs> well they move yeah they move like ants during like that for that nymph stage they they mm -hmm. their movement is different so i'm like oh my god there's an ant outbreak and then we get closer we're start we start catching them thank god we didn't start squishing them you know <laughs> right? like, these are baby mantids like oh no <laughs> how cool is that, that though is yeah, fun. Simon. Fun. I know that he likes to let a few of his uh, a few of his species to like kind of free roam in his bug room. Um, cool. So that's that's really cool. I can't do that because I have cats, and yeah, I just I don't think they would do very well <laughs> free roaming in what? my house. No, they wouldn't last very long. Probably not. But if you can do it, you're right. That's yeah, that's cool. I've yeah. seen videos. I don't know who it is, but someone in their bug room has like those big orb weavers that just kind of set up oh. shop hanging from the ceiling i'm like man that's so cool that would creep me out but super cool that is really cool <laughs> absolutely yeah. so okay so you did mention a little bit about husbandry so that's a really great segue into the next question so sure. do you prefer to keep your tarantulas um in bioactive enclosures or naturalistic because i i great do question. naturalistic mostly so yes <laughs> Yeah, I think um, do absolutely do whatever works for you. Um, mm. I don't necessarily, I can't quantify and whether or not one is better for the other, but we have done bioactive for so long. Um, and for us, we find it to be absolutely like minimally um, involved. You know, we just kind of, mm. if you can see behind me with the plants and everything, we just, yeah, we're, ha we're hands off with all of it. Um, and I just, we fertilize every so often with a natural fertilizer. So we do bioactive. It's nothing for us to just walk by a tank and supplement with springtails or dwarf white isopods and just nice. let it let it go. Yeah, I haven't really had an issue. We don't we avoid the larger Poselio um isopod species. And that's mm -hmm. usually what we recommend to customers just because we've never had a problem, but we do know that they have a dietary like protein requirement. So we don't yeah. use those. Um but other than right, that, right. yeah, we, we just, we find it so simple for us and our environment to just do bioactive and let it go, let, let, let everything happen. You know? Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Do you have like, a, a, does your humidity in, in your critter room, does it stay at like a certain level or um, do no, you find that it's... So, yeah, good, great question. I'm glad you said that because um, we were really trying to hit home with our customers that like not everyone's environment is the same, which is right. inevitably going to affect your approach to your husbandry for your specific species. Absolutely. So us, <laughs> yeah. And, and that's why, you know, care, care guides are great, but I would say I've never done it the care guide way, not one time. Um, yeah, so me neither. I just, good. They're like a yeah. basic kind of, you know. They're, I, I feel like they're just the, the bare minimum 
care guide. You know what I mean? These are just like yep. uh, guidelines, essentially. Exactly. Yes. So, it's not. Yeah. The, it's not the book. It's just that a woman might help you in a sense compare with what you're finding uh, about the animal's natural history be like oh that's how they're applying that you know but then again in addition to natural history like we just said your environment's going to be different than who wrote that care guide so you mm -hmm. know just keep that in mind but to answer your question uh no it it varies quite a bit we do hand mist um we'll probably automate that here soon but i've always been a fan of hand misting our enclosures every day if not every other day um, if cool. you can kind of see behind me, I've got a big mini split back there up above. Oh, me. yeah. That's, so that's controlling the climate in the room. And this time of year, when it's uh, cooler outside, it's uh -huh. going to run a lot. It's going to put out a lot of heat. It's going to um, dry the air out, right? So now oh, we, yeah. have to comp we have to compensate for that, um, uh, which I honestly think our tanks do better this time of year because things, we soak them and then they dry out real quick. And the plants seem to really like that. I think the spiders mm -hmm. do too. Um, but we don't actively monitor a percentage of humidity. I, I have, a, I keep track of it, but I'm not like we have to attain this temperature, you know, or this, sure. this percentage. We we don't do that. Yeah, that's we couldn't. Yeah, I'd, um, yeah. For me, that so, would just be way too involved. Like, yes, I, I mean, yeah. it's a great, you know, it's a it's a great idea in theory. Yes, <laughs> but it's just yes. not realistic to to really, you know try that especially yeah. if you have a lot of animals like we do like that's it's just exactly. not gonna happen yes. I, and what sense. i try to tell people is like that's it's okay to know right and I, I say it all the time it's okay to know what the humidity is but don't stress trying to achieve a number you know what i mean mm. like having your animal um have access to those basic necessities those resources water heat light that's what matters that's like enough humidity yeah humidity yeah. As it changes, we'll tell you how you change your husbandry, maybe. But yep. yeah. So hopefully that answers your question. No, I totally relate to that. I mean, I Perfect. live in Colorado. So I'm, right. you know, we're always a mile high above sea level anyway. So the altitude Very alone. Different. Yeah. <laughs> altitude yeah. definitely makes the air a lot thinner. And so when when it does get cold here, uh, like any moisture in the air is just zapped because yeah. the heater, you know, so. Yeah. I, I have to do my weekly, you know, rounds and stuff and make sure everybody has enough moisture. Because if I don't, I mean, I could have a dehydrated tarantula pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Quick. Especially right. that those Zenisa species or the Pamphlobetus and um, they are very yes. moisture dependent. So um, they're not as hardy as some of the others, you know. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And that's I'm glad you said that. Like, yeah. We have a tendency, at least in the United States, to be like a tarantula is a tarantula is a tarantula, you know, and right. I want I want to differentiate by the species very different, even within the same yeah. genus species are very different. You know? Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad, glad you said that. Yeah, very yeah, different. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my my niece is intermedia. She will let me know very, very quickly if she does not have enough moisture in her enclosure or like, yeah, they, they're they yeah. I'm like, I'm always on her, like, oh, are you good? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know. that's, and which is, it's amazing. Yeah. And I'm, that speaks to something else too. It's like behaviorally, like they talk to you through they that do. behavior, you know, and um, that, yeah, it's very important to watch them. I think I, I advocate for that a lot. Like just spend a minute watching them through different parts of the day. They'll, you'll learn a lot, you know. Absolutely. That's actually been yeah. kind of a hot button topic, like the past couple of weeks in the community. Sure. 
uh, whether or not tarantulas have kind of that intelligence and, or if they have uh, like emotional behaviors and that kind of thing. And I'm over here mm -hmm. like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I know for some, a lot of us, it's like, of course, of course they do. You know, of yeah. course there's a lot more going on there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think yeah. so. I, you know, I, it, they know what, what day they get fed. They know, you know, like when they need that moisture, like I said, my Zenesis will let me know, you know, she'll, she'll be right on the wall of her enclosure, like, hello or in the, sure. you know, water dish or something. So you can definitely tell. Um, and Simon actually asked a great question about this. He asked, um, how much do spiders usually drink? And he says that his seem to drink a, a bottle cap full every day. Um, mm. I would say that if that is happening, because sometimes they will just get into their water dish or their bottle cap, you know, they'll just get in there and like, spray their water everywhere or fill it with dirt you know and that's mm -hmm. not necessarily an indication of their thirst or you know need for that moisture um but if that is happening like if they are actually drinking then i would say that you know that's not totally normal but that's yeah, definitely a thirsty you know <laughs> yeah i think uh, yeah so that going that kind of feeds into what we were just talking about about environment Right. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, species. But historically speaking, we've accepted in the hobby that I've heard this term way too often and it drives me insane, but they're sealed. They're hermetically sealed. Um, mm -hmm. but in fact, mm -hmm. it's the opposite, like through the um, diffusion and whatnot, like the animals lose quite a bit of water. Um, uh -huh. and in fact, um, this is not my work, but um, Becky O'Neill, who's a P the PhD candidate, I'm going to speak with her tomorrow, but she posted a study where a lot of these animals that have large abdomens, depending on the type of year, they might even be starving, um, uh -huh. but they have, they're retaining so much water, right? So it's like, it's not that abdomen you're seeing is not um, like from eating, it's from drinking. So mm -hmm. yes, um, they absolutely can. I know our animals, especially this time of year, um, we, we yeah. do provide them with a little water dish, but we mist more frequently. I think the animals cue in on mist more than anything else. Even if they have a water dish, it kind of triggers them to drink. Yeah. Yep. So um, that just comes down to environment. I could say some of our Avix drink every single day from the droplets that we drink, uh, that we sure. provide for them. Um, and then in the summer, they retain water much better because the humidity is higher. So um, yeah, I wouldn't say it's completely normal, but it's not abnormal either. You know, there, yeah. there's factors to consider too, like what kind of what species is it? Is it wild caught? Is it possible that it has parasite? You know, I, or right. is it, it's dry and it's thirsty, you know, but yeah. 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 Tarantula tarantulas being tarantulas. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For yeah, sure. Drink a lot. They drink a lot of water. So, um, and they just yeah. always have. I've raised most of our animals in our adult collection. I've raised since spiderlings. You know, and they just this time of year. That's just what they do. They just drink a lot. Yeah. I mean, the temperatures get cold, and you know, the heaters come out. So there's definitely yep. going to be that need for more moisture and stuff. Liliana is saying that her Trinidad dwarf um, drinks a lot. So the Holothele longipes, um, I definitely think that that one is a very moisture dependent species. They come from yes. Tri Trinidad, um, which is like right, right there in the Caribbean. So I would expect that's pretty normal for them. Mm -hmm. Definitely. You know? Yeah, we, we keep their soil pretty, pretty damp. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Ryan, do you have a favorite species of tarantula? Just in general. Yes. Of tarantula, yeah. Um, I do the Metallica, the Postletheria, the whole genus really is what started this for me. So I can't I can't uh not yeah. show love for them. They're that genus, um I have we have a lot of spiders. Um that species that genus rather they stop uh, me in my tracks every time because they come out during the evening you know being crepuscular and whatnot um yeah. and every time i walk by their tanks if i see them i'm like wow <laughs> it's still they are truly stunning i agree it's amazing yeah it's such a treat to it. see them out too yeah yeah they're big and they're bold they're beautiful i just uh, yeah. yeah so metallica for sure but that whole genus is perfect i, I love them I, I feel like they get kind of a bad rap do you agree 100 percent Oh yeah, yeah, they're, right. They're, they're the easiest, <laughs> the easiest species to work with, or genus rather. Yeah, yeah. They're so um, cool. Unpopular. Like they're amazing. Yeah, they're just little darlings. I just saw um, a a fellow, you know, content creator talking about their pokies and how the the pokey was super patient, like waiting for her to rehouse it. And I was like, yeah, yeah they are they're darlings. You know, like yeah. I. I was actually really kind of nervous about having Postalotheria in my collection. Uh, mm-hmm. from the start, you know, and I, the first one that I got was a post-Lotharia Metallica. It was totally an accident. Okay. I okay. bought it as, <laughs> yeah, I bought it as a Kilobrachis fimbriatus. Oh my um, goodness. <laughs> yeah, right? I was yeah. like, same area, <laughs> different species. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's but, silly. Yeah, it was so funny, but um yeah, I mean, what's your favorite? Are they your favorite? What do you? What's your favorite? If you had to I'm one. actually, I'm such a geek for Afonipelmas, like the Afonipelma oh. calcodes and hensies and stuff. They made me totally change my mind on the color brown. Like yeah, I always thought, I would agree it, with you, right? Yeah. Like I, yeah. I always thought, okay, brown is just brown, whatever. Brown but is brown, yeah. Afonipelmas, man, they're you know they're gonna show you that there's some red brown, there's some like tans there are some just beautiful gold yeah. colors like they are mm-hmm. amazing that's i'm with you there uh, that's funny it's so funny you say that i agree with you there yeah i like the tan the tan colors the sandy tans and all that they're they're beautiful beautiful spiders absolutely they're yeah they're and, so and cool their, their nature is just um nice the docile you know what i mean so, and, yeah uh, they make it pets. yeah never eat <laughs> Yeah, there's that too. Yeah, which for some can be a source of frustration, but yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, understand. That's but, where understanding where they come from and what happens to them and what they do in nature is where it's very important. You understand why they do what they do certain times yeah. of the year, right? You know, absolutely, just dis- absolutely. Disappear. That's a healthy spider, you know. Right. Um, right. Yeah. If you're not seeing it through the winter, you're good. <laughs> exactly. That's where it you wants know. to be. Yep. yep. So. Um, kind of segueing into that, how do you feel about conservation as far as like specific species or just tarantulas in general? Because a lot of the tarantulas that we keep, they are on that protected species list. Um, so how do you feel about that? Like, Yes, so that is a double-edged sword. And also, yes. um, I have a bit of a different opinion on it because of my background. Um, I've okay. seen the other side. I've worked with people who are on the other side who... Um, um, are on CITES, um, and I've done some international work uh, with conservation with amphibians. So I kind of understand the optics um, of our, as far as like what the pet trade looks like to other countries and to uh-huh. people on CITES. Um, we are, we're not 
good. <laughs> um, and, and, I, and I say that yeah. lightly, you have to understand how I'm meaning that. Um, I'm not the best with words, but we're not viewed in the eyes of anything to do with conservation as a, a positive, okay? Mm. Um, and that's just the way it is. Now, the double-edged sword of that, a lot of where these animals are coming from, let's just take Sri Lanka, for example. Um, sure. The pet trade is going to be the only place to see these animals in the next few years because of yeah. deforestation and logging. And so it's like, while the hobby itself doesn't directly contribute to conservation, um, that's going to be mm. the, the source of them. Uh, I, I, you know, and then from the hobby, they will make their way into AZA institutions, which then maybe genetic testing might be done and which place actual proper conservation efforts might take place. Mm -hmm. um, that might happen. Right. But um, I, yeah, so you, I kind of bow, like if I ever do any kind of breeding, I want to donate like a portion of the sack to my local zoological society. So like the sure. Denver Zoo or yes. super lucky here in Denver, we have the Butterfly Pavilion and they do breed yep. tarantulas. They do cool. a ton for like conservation. So I would probably donate some specimen to them. Yeah, I think that's what the hobby can do is reaching mm. out to these people, um, especially like if, if you go to your ACA institution, they know who's in charge of the SSP or who the SSP species survival plan, plan coordinator is for individual mm -hmm. species. I know there's quite a few for invertebrates asking how and you can contribute, I think, is the best way to go about that. Um, awesome. And yeah, yeah, I think that's that's where I'll leave that. But um, understanding, you know, I'm, I'm not. Dumb. I understand that a lot of animals are here. All of them originated from wild caught animals. Right? Oh, of course. So, yeah. And I absolutely love my hobby. I love my I love my spiders to death. But we I think yeah. it would do the hobby good for uh, for everyone to understand how we are viewed. And that might change yeah. some behaviors and some ethics and some morals on how we go about obtaining and selling healthy animals. Like optics are everything, especially now in this sort of mm -hmm. climate. Um, yeah. No, so, I really appreciate that, Ryan. I think that's uh incredibly smart because i think a lot of time here in in the u.s we kind of forget how you know we're viewed through the world and so Correct. uh yeah just a little too much <laughs> i agree and so yeah, yeah i do think that capitalism can be very dangerous for the hobby i think it can be dangerous to to conservation um yes. especially you know i want the spider i want it now like that Correct. mindset is just not healthy for for what we're trying to do you know Exactly. So. Yeah. And I know I know people like to um, be like, well, it came into the hobby legally. It was a legal importation. Yes. However, the laws are different in Europe. So if you mm -hmm. went or wherever they're going and taking these animals, the, the laws are different over there. It doesn't apply. Right. So right. we might be importing them legally, but they left their country of origin illegally. Right. Even right. If you didn't do it. If the United States didn't do it. So I think that's another thing, too, that we, we all need yeah. to be conscious of. Like we need to support sustainable legal i don't have the answer for that necessarily i think what mexico was doing provided that was actually ethically and morally hap happening um mm -hmm. is great right where like animals yeah. are taken from the wild and some are put back some are um sold to the pet trade right and then, then whatever that country of origin does with that money whatever right but that's sure. a sustainable approach to both things right just getting I agree. that to happen successfully is i'm not i'm not in control of that so i don't, I don't have an answer for that but that would be a good step in the right direction, I think. Awesome. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate that. So Bazance has a really good question about um, breeding. So Bazance wants to know, why do you think Balfouris lay their sacks in hammocks 
instead of carrying the sack around because uh, they have no idea. <laughs> yeah, um, good question. So I have seen, I've noticed a trend. Um, animals that live in clay or sandy substrate or soils tend to do this. So like um, Harpactera pulchropes, mm -hmm. I'm pulling this, I'm just, this is my observation. Okay, so just take that for what it's worth. But pulchropes, yeah. um, I've seen GBBs do it, Chromatopelma do it, um, Monocentropus, like you said, Belfry do it. Um, mm -hmm. And also another trend with these is that there's really intense UV and sun exposure where these animals are, uh, mm -hmm. where they live. I think it all comes down to natural history. So I think the sandy soil has might has something to do with it. Also, mm -hmm. there's um, high UV exposure and where these animals are, they have easy access to like constant brooding temperatures. So like high temperatures, yeah. right? So it right. might be beneficial to lay them in a hammock suspended in somewhere where it's getting those appropriate brooding temps all the time. It's oh. less work for the mom. Um, that 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 makes sense to me. But there's like a trend I'm noticing with animals that do that. Um, and there might be something that does it that does it that does not apply. It's just not. I haven't worked with that species yet. Um, but that's that's an, a possibility. There's a couple things going on there. Yeah. Awesome. I like that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, Carrie wants to. Go oh, ahead. go ahead. Nope, nope. Go ahead. We'll move on. <laughs> okay. I think I answered your question. I can ramble. I ramble. You have to stop me. <laughs> oh, you're so good, Ryan. We love it. We love it. You can ramble all okay. you want here. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no worries. So Carrie says, um, "How do you go? Like, uh, how do you best express like conservation efforts and issues uh, to a community at the exotic shows? So like." When you're at expos or something and you're just concerned that maybe they have like a wild caught specimen um how do you go about saying hey this isn't really great for the hobby this isn't really great for the species yep what would so, your suggestion be this is a fantastic question so jessica and i have been doing a lot more expos lately um this year and next year we plan to keep doing that um we're actually working with tristan of gecko junkie to establish a, a new um base of shows under the name Run at cool. Reptile Expo. And this is something that we talk about um, because we know it's a problem. And especially with me on board, um, uh -huh. having my background, um, I'm the first to say this is messed up, guys. You know what I mean? And so I, like in our little huddle, we discuss these things like it starts with the show promoters. It starts with who's running the show and who's screening, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we discussed um, potentially, um, I think I can say this, but like a panel of a, a group of people, whoever that may be, that regulates and filters these things. Um, because like I said, some people just may not know. I know good people, well-intentioned people who don't know the origin of the species and its entrance into the country. Sure, um, yeah. And, and it's not their fault necessarily. There are a lot of people who are at fault. I know a bunch. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that comes down to shutting that down at the door. That's at the gate. Um, documentation it's easy to easy to produce um right. a paper trail right. is easy to produce for those of you who are serious and if you're not serious well we, we're not going to give you a platform right it's difficult Good. because like i said you can't just strip people's livelihoods away but right. educating them and giving them the chance to fix it and be better about their practices is the way to go about it right if you just say nope yeah. and you give them an axe right away it, you're not going to make friends and they're just going to do it anyway but i right. think we all need to have we all just need to promote this better at shows at the door, I think. And um, that I starts with the promoters. Yeah. And screening and filtering what comes through the door. 
for sure. I always appreciate when I do go to shows and expos, I always appreciate a table who's like, I support US ARC. And so they'll sure. have, you know, like the US ARC logo and all that stuff. I always appreciate that because to me, that says you are being uh, conservation minded and, you know, you're worried, you're thinking about that. The bigger or, picture. Yes. yes, exactly. The bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I think that's also another uh, really key element that that some breeders just they they don't know or maybe they just don't want to or whatever but for mm -hmm. me i'm like yeah if you got us arc i am all over it <laughs> so. yeah so you're touching on optics right you're and, yeah. and it needs it needs to be there needs to be an incentive for people to do better right so that's I agree. where i think like having this little green check mark or a blue check mark i you know what i mean something like that that says we're doing mm -hmm. the, the right thing. We care about your hobby. I care about my hobby. I care about right. the animals you are going to possess if you buy them from me. It needs to be cool. It needs to be sexy to do that. Does that mean conservation yeah. needs to be sexy? Right. It does. Otherwise, there's no, yeah. there's no incentive. Yeah. Otherwise, right. who cares? Right. I'm with you on exactly. this. I'm with you. Yeah. Yep. Do you ever get to work with uh, Tom Patterson or uh, Kelly Fornes or any of these guys? Like, do you get to work with them yeah. like do you get to trade with them you know hey i've got Pretty this mail it. or <laughs> yes um hate to name yes. drop but you oh. know <laughs> yeah i know i gotta be careful but i get in trouble doing these name drop things um but yeah <laughs> all of them um all of those times there's a bunch of them now um but most so of them we've had very pleasure uh um, good good uh experiences with them it's been a pleasure dealing with them um yeah um kelly I think we've gotten animals from Kelly before. I can't remember, but at least the Toms, I know for sure. Um, mm. There's there's a bunch of them now, but yes. Um, <laughs> sometimes we will supplement our collection or our inventory with animals that have, like Tom Saxon produces uh, quite a bit of animals. We've uh, supplemented from him before, and then we do mm -hmm. some trading odds and ends with males. We're at the point now in our collection where males are much more valuable to us than females because we just have females, right? They're just sitting around yeah. so knowing these these toms uh really it does help so <laughs> it does yeah. i agree yeah yeah well, most cool. of them are, are easy to work with yeah is tom patterson really like as cranky <laughs> no you know it's funny i know people will dog on his attitude but i'm like i'm right there with him he's just very blunt and straightforward yeah and i like yeah. the way he feels about the hobby and how his his bluntness i'm like yep yeah that's it that's what's going to happen it's okay to be to sit, kind of have a bleak attitude about like longevity about the hobby right yeah. um because yeah. optics are everything and i think he gets that he's been doing this a long time so yeah. he kind of see when, when you're doing this something a long time you see the shifts and the ebbs and you the see flows the pattern how things work exactly yes. yeah like the ripples and you know makes sense exactly okay yeah um, yep. <laughs> no i love it i i really mm -hmm. appreciate that um I know I feel like a lot of people are kind of like, oh, so many Tom, you know, a lot of Toms in, in the U.S. hobby here. Um, and uh -huh. they do kind of get treated like celebrities, which is probably cool for them, you know. But sure. I, I think Tom Patterson is cool. Like, I think I love his rock and roll attitude. I think he's Same. just all around great guy. Um, yep. And I love what he does for the hobby. So. Same. Yeah. I'm he's got it. his own thing. I'm, I, I'm envious. I like the way he does his thing. He doesn't, you know, he's mindful of what he says, but also is not afraid to shoot from the hip. And I like that. I like that style quite a bit. So yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> if, okay. So this one is another kind of off topic, but it's a 
cool question I I thought maybe would be a lot of fun. Um, if you could yeah. travel anywhere in the world to like observe tarantulas in the wild, where would you go and why? Hmm, interesting. I want to ask you the same question. Um, okay. So for me, Ecuador. That's so. <laughs> this is funny. Um, I don't have a, a, a retirement plan. Period. Okay. Um, when I'm when I'm ready to be done, I'm going to Ecuador. Um, ever since I was <laughs> old enough to remember, I know the uh, Amazon is a place. Ecuador, Peru, Costa Rica, uh, not Costa Rica, yeah. but anything in South America. Uh, Costa Rica, Central America, people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yes, so Ecuador, um, Peru, those places. Uh, that's where I'm going to go. Um, and I know once I go, I'm not coming back. Um, but the, uh, the, I really like my avicularia species. I would love to say India awesome. and go see Metallica. However, I know, um, the logistics of that and how dangerous that is. Um, yeah. so that's not on the table for me being realistic, but when I'm ready to go, I Ecuador, Peru is where I'm going. And, uh, I have no plans on coming back when I'm finally ready to go. So, yep, that's my plan. That's where I would like to go and see all the avicularia species. And there's so, I get pictures from, um, zoo folks who still go down and do amphibian research down there and they send me pictures of tarantulas that are i know are not in the hobby i know are not described yet they're like oh look at this little thing and they're wow awesome so and, and i don't i don't share the pictures because i'm like i'm not letting that get out but, right um, right <laughs> there, there's so many cool animals that we've just the hobby's never seen before and they're all down in the rainforest and um i would like to go check them out that's where i'd like to go how about you uh, absolutely. I mean, probably in the same region, but Colombia. For me, it's about Colombia. I nice. would absolutely love to just, you know, for a lot of reasons. So obviously, like the tarantulas that are in Colombia. I mean, yep. we have. I I swear, a third of my collection is from Colombia. Um, oh. <laughs> you know, uh, like yeah, and, and it border. It's pretty close to Brazil too. That there's there's some fun times there, but. <laughs> the culture in Colombia is, is wonderful. They're very like fun, lively, colorful people. Um, mm -hmm. They, you know, they love dance, they love music, and they love people from all over the place. Um, I know that, you know, that that region of the world sometimes has issues, just in general, with like civil, you know, civil issues yes. and yeah. uh, civil and war stuff like that. You know, yeah. governmental issues and stuff, but. When it comes down to it, like the actual people who are living there are amazing. And so I, awesome. I would just absolutely love to to visit. And then and then of course see the monocentropus uh or megaphobema robustums. Those are the guys. Oh. Yeah. They would they yeah. would be fun to view in Those in the are wild. Montane too, right? They're, they're a montane species. Yeah, I believe so. Are they okay? because I, I feel like I've seen pictures of them on moss beds really wet moss beds and i don't yeah, think those are captive photos i think maybe i'm wrong <laughs> i'm not you know yeah. i'm gonna have to look that up because i don't know um, yeah if it is true like what of the pictures i'm seeing i'm like that's neat yeah and i know there are some montane regions in colombia so um definitely going to one of those places that has those biomes like uh cloud forest and also lowland rainforest if you're going to go anywhere i would say go somewhere that has both because you're essentially yeah. seeing two different worlds in one place yeah. Right. Oh, for sure. That's, that's just too cool. It's too cool. Mm -hmm. It is too cool. <laughs> and Columbia also, um, those little dendrobatids, the um, the poison frogs. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I can't believe I just blanked on that. 
my my zoo people are gonna laugh at me. Uh, Phyllobates terribilis, the the golden poison frog. Um, the, those are in all in Colombia too. So that would be a cool one to see. That yeah, really well, cool. I mean, Colombia is just full of a lot of really cool wildlife, like spiders know, so and everything. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I, I wonder, there, I, they're just like, yeah, it's, they're just, they're there. Who cares? You know, but right. uh, like, that's the coolest thing ever. You know? <laughs> I yeah. wonder if people in Australia think that too. Like, cause you know, in Australia, there's all the, all amazing wildlife there too, that it, they're just yeah. so iconic, like koalas, mm -hmm. and, uh, all the, the gators. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yes. So I wonder if, you know, I, I'm sure people in Australia are like, oh yeah, it's just a Woma python. And we're over here like, oh. <gasps> Awesome. Yeah. You know. Well, you see, uh, Jessica is she's in all these Facebook groups uh, from Australia where it's like Snake ID, um, and the, it's funny how there it's like there's. Was that in my place? Did you hear that? Was that from me? I don't. I don't. Yeah, I heard it. I think the dog must have fell upstairs or something. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Oh, um, yeah. So they the snakes are just like a part of their life, right? Like, uh -huh. They're like, oh, there's pythons on my porch again, or oh, he he lives there. You know, it's like they're just part of their culture, which I think is really neat. Here we're like, ah, oh, kill it, you know, or oh, get it away. Gross. I hate that. Call, it, call the exterminator. Yeah, but they're like, oh, there he goes. Like you'll see an eastern or a brown snake or some venomous something venomous. Everything venomous down there, <laughs> just <laughs> right. right through someone's you know property and it's fine it's just part of life yeah that's cool though i i mean because yeah the states is, we're so weird when it comes to snakes and spiders i think because I we're we, just we we're are. just raised to be hateful toward them and the right. media doesn't really help much as far as that goes because of course they, they always depict or yeah like the spiders yeah. are always like the bad guys or whatever um yeah. With Although the exception I will... of those jumping spiders, right? You've seen yeah, the right. jumping spiders are coming. They're hot because of media, you know. So yeah. at least yeah. there's that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, give them some uh, credit. There are. There is some credit to be given. Is it like eight legged or uh, eight legged freaks? That movie. It mm -hmm. the spiders were kind of scary, but they used yes. actual species. Yeah. For their. Yeah. Right. Uh, which. For me, I was like, okay, I can, I'll give you a credit there because that's cool. Mm -hmm. You thought about <laughs> it, right? You thought about this, yeah, a little bit. Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, made it fun. <laughs> yes, and then, yeah. um, yeah. So, okay, a fauna pelma. Do you love them or hate them? You love them. I, we um, already talked about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say I, I wouldn't call them necessarily uh, a favorite of mine, but there's something to be said about the species uh, or the genus in general for a lot of people. And I think if you're going to do this and you're going to be in this industry, this hobby, I think it's a staple. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like them. Yeah, that, I love, yeah. That's how I feel about them. I think they're pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. And they're a great way to teach people about, you know, like backyard conservation, backyard species. I know they're a good source of uh, study for for folks too which is, there's something to be said for that too you know we have access to them and we can watch them right so yeah yeah absolutely yep. i i think it's pretty fascinating too because they are still discovering new afana uh, pelma species like yeah. uh, in, in our backyards you know, you know? yeah wild. absolutely so like cool. the like the uh what was it the afana pelma you know species diamondback still hasn't mm -hmm. been described but 
it's right here. Yeah, we know it's there. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, yeah. I know there's just, and that speaks to something too. Like I kind of, I kind of get preachy about this, but I just, there's so much complexity to all of this that we just mm. don't, we don't, we don't, we haven't even scratched the surface. You know what I mean? So like when people yeah. start talking about the animals having, you know, um, uh, a little more depth cognitively, you know what I mean? And like a little more evolved. They're not just so primitive. Like we put them out to be, yes, some of the characteristics are, but there's just so yeah. much more to learn and study. And like, we're just now starting to understand that there's more right now. Now we have right. to figure out that more and species like a fauna palma that we can actually grab and discover in our backyards and watch and observe, you know, it's very important, very important um, for conservation. It puts them on the map. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I, I really appreciate that you're conservation minded. Um, I think all the best breeders are. And I, 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 I mean, for me, that speaks volumes because I, I do think that a lot of people in the hobby are leaning that way um, mm -hmm. more so than There's anything, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Which is and, great. You know, yeah, it is. I agree. I agree with you 100%. I still think we have a lot of catching up to do. I think the American yeah. hobby is a little behind. Uh, but then again, you could say that about our industry as a whole because it's not regulated, right? It's like up right. to passionate people to like be loud and talk about it. Otherwise, yeah. there's no like board or registry or something like that that's like regulating these things. So, yeah, right. We're getting we're right. getting there. You're right. There's been a shift. There has been. Yeah. And I love that. Um, I Me think, too. you know, I think it's in a, a good direction and yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're uh, actually getting to the end of the podcast. And so this is okay. kind of the portion that we like to call our shameless plug. So this okay. is where you can, you can throw uh, anything you want to promote, obviously okay. cool Marshall arachnid stuff. So have at it, right? Sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, and thank you. Thank you for giving us the time. Um, Jess and I, obviously, yeah. MarshallArachnids.com, we're on all the socials. I think everything is just Marshall Arachnids in one way or another. It's not my forte. Um, Jessica and I are actually taking a break right now. We're kind of, uh, so fun fact, we, uh, as of two weeks ago, just finally got a shower. So we've been here like seven months now, and now we got a shower installed. So um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, we. Well, good. Her mom's not far away. We shout. We we clean ourselves, but um, we're taking a break <laughs> to kind of catch up. Um, now we're kind of slowing down. Our live animal shipping is uh, suspended until February, just for the yeah. sake of the madness. Yeah, the weather. You know what I mean? And we. Yeah, exactly. So we're taking a little pause, a little break. We still have a few items up. You can still purchase things on our website, marshallerecknes.com. Um, cool. I think that's that's that yeah just be patient with us i'm we're doing all of the renovation and all the construction ourselves at this point so like we're just we're really focused on that so if we don't get back to you when you reach out to us just give us a minute just doing husbandry i'm hammering away or trying to figure out how to install something i don't know <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. be patient with us but um yeah um leah thank you so much for um taking a taking the time to talk to me and getting us out there on your platform that's super awesome we're really uh, grateful that so thank you oh no i'm i'm so grateful to you for for coming on and and really you know help it i help you you help me we we help each other that's yeah, what it's about um, let's <laughs> talk again yeah let's do it let's Absolutely. make it a thing i would love to i would love to continue talking to you about other topics in depth and maybe we can talk about different species you know i'm, I'm, all, I'm yeah. all about it. anytime we can take these conversations and put them out there i'm all about it so absolutely i go ahead <laughs> oh, you, you holler whenever whenever you want to talk um yeah, yeah the time. same 
Absolutely. If yeah. there's something that's burning in your brain, you know, and you, you want to oh, come. And... <laughs> well, always. I love that, Ryan. I, I think that's really cool. And um, like I said, yeah, thanks so much. So for everybody out there, I'll go ahead and shamelessly plug my podcast, Inverticast. Um, yes. If you like what you saw, like and subscribe, share it with your friends, send it to people who you know would appreciate it. Um, thank you again so much, Ryan, for being here. We really appreciate it. And thank glad you, that glad that uh we were able to provide kind of a platform for yeah for you to yeah 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 thank you <laughs> yes yes this is i love this so thank you guys and uh hopefully uh we'll talk again soon okay definitely thank you ryan have a great uh, one you. you as well we'll talk soon <laughs>